and welcome to the next Hidden Her Story podcast episode. Uh, this week we have Abigail Barnes, who is a time management coach. And for anybody who says, I don't have time in my life to do this, to do that, uh, I never have enough time. Well, today you are going to learn how to manage your time and to make it more productive in your workplace and to also um, enrich your life by using time better. We're going to have a chat to Abigail today and find out what her work entails. And I'm sure she's going to be an absolutely fascinating guest for us today because I'm like every now, I, I run out of time doing things and I, I work in a job where time is the most important thing that I have. So uh, I have learned a lot from listening to Abigail and I'm sure all my listeners are going to learn um, a lot today as well. And this is another one of our interviews, which are part of our Inspiring Women of the Present, talking about inspiring women of the past. And I've asked Abigail to pick three women from history uh, who have inspired her over the years in different ways. And um, she's picked really in three really interesting women and um, they're all quite contemporary, um, but they've all made history in different ways. And, um, and they are all, they have all done amazing things. So I'm sure it's gonna be really interesting finding out who Abigail picked. So I'd like to uh, say hello to Abigail and introduce you. Hi, Abigail. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. It's uh, you know it's fantastic to have you. Um, I, I've got to say you you are a really inspiring person for me. Um, I you know I I, I know you're going to tell your story today, and you're going to explain to people who are listening how you went from a high flying career um, and how uh, something changed your life and took you down a path where you are now um, a, a top coach. You wrote a book, haven't you, called um, uh, Time Management for Entrepreneurs and Professionals. Uh, okay. I've read it. It's, 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 the, it's one of the most brilliant books I've ever read because it just it opened my mind to how I my relationship with time. Um, and when when I started to read your book and do some of the tasks and look at how I was using time in my life, um, I realized that, you know, I was I had a terrible relationship with time. Um, and then I, you know, I, obviously I, I know Abigail because I've actually undertaken some training courses that she runs through her company, uh, Success by Design Training. So uh, and when I worked with Abigail on those courses, it's made a huge difference in my life and in my work. And um, I'm forever grateful that uh, I, you know, I, I have access to, um, to, to to Abigail's training courses and, and her, her books. And I've had a couple of you know, really interesting chats with her, which have really helped me develop everything I'm doing now with the podcast and my writing and my books and um, and she's just helped me to overcome a lot of problems with like self-confidence, which, you know, I think we all have. Um, and, you know, her, her, her training methods are really simple, really easy to, you know, to, to, to do and to carry out. And, you know, they really do have a huge impact on your life. So, um, Abigail, yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit more about uh, how did you, you started off um, working, um, well, actually, we, we, you started off working in, in a body shop didn't you years ago but we're going to come back to that um and talk about that a little bit later on um uh, but yes you so you you, you know tell us a little bit about yourself and um, you know you've you, you had a you've had a had an amazing career at the beginning of um, when you left school so just tell us a bit about that and you know tell us your story yeah well thank you so much for that amazing introduction to me um I really appreciate it but I also really appreciate working with anybody who takes action on what it is that we talk about in the training that I offer because ultimately knowledge is not power knowledge is potential and your life changes when you take action and you are an incredible example of an action taker Chrissy Hamlin so kudos to you thank you um for your audience then, me sort of in a nutshell, I started out life um, with, I did a marketing degree because I was always fascinated in why people do what they do. 
Um, and then I quit, um, finished that degree and started working in finance. And I worked in investment management, asset management and hedge funds for over 10 years in the marketing departments. Um, during that time, I then went on to do a marketing postgrad because, as I said, fascinated by the whole why people do what they do. But this wasn't really the, the, the be all and the end all for me. There was always something else that I wanted to do. I felt like there was a hole in my soul. I just didn't really know what it was. And when we're going to come on to talking about the people who influenced me, it will start to become apparent how throughout um, my life, if you like, there were signposts, but throughout everybody's life, there are signposts, but we mm -hmm. will often choose to ignore them yes. um, or we won't see them clearly mm -hmm. enough because everybody wears glasses, if you like, and you see what you are able to see at that point in time. And it was the late Steve Jobs who said, we can only join up the dots when we look back in the future. Absolutely, that is so true, so true. So yeah, so um, I sort of was, was doing the whole same thing everybody was doing, you know, getting another job, maybe this is it, going out shopping, maybe this handbag will do it, going to a party, maybe this will do it, mm -hmm. going on a holiday, maybe this will do it. I mean, you must have heard that, that sentence that people will say, well, I just need to get away. Yes, escape. And then you get away. And it turns out that the person that you take with you is yourself. So there is no <laughs> getting away. Of course. And yeah, the, the, the realisation on this journey that we all call life is that you have to sort of really understand yourself and almost have your rock bottom moment in order to create that solid foundation to rebuild upon. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, Abigail. And um, we were chatting to Lauren in uh, Lauren Turin in the last uh, episode about something similar. And, you know, when you have something in your life which really sort of makes an impact, whether it's something traumatic or whether it's a, a near death experience or, you know, a sudden realisation that you really need to stop and change, like, you know, make huge changes in your life. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those moments that you just sort of, um, they are you know those moments where you have to look back and 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 maybe see the mistakes you've made and I I know as an older person I think the older I've, I've, I've become now I'm in my 50s I can look back on things and decisions I made and realize you know why I made them at the time but you know sometimes some of them were wrong some of them were right um but you know we learn as we get older um but I think um you know it's uh when when you when you have when you I had a sort of a traumatic experience in, in my life about 20 years ago, but in respect, when I look back on it now, it was one of the best things that, that ever happened to me. And, um, you know, sometimes people sort of look at me rather funnily when I say that, but it is because it, it really made me look at myself and, you know, and learn who I am. And, um, and, and also I, I did a lot of family history. And I think when you learn, you know, who are the people that made you and, you know, what's the genes, what, what sort of person are you inside you know and we inherit traits and bad and good from our parents and uh, for me learning about who I was as I've sort of gone through life I've you know now I get now I'm in my 50s I've got a really good idea of who I am uh, but it takes it takes a, a lot to get there doesn't it um, Abigail sometimes and sometimes it takes bad things to happen like I said but you have to sort of take responsibility for those things and you know turn them around to be a benefit to you don't you Abigail so um, tell me more about what happened um, to you when you were at the top of your sort of high-flying career yeah so um, finally one day my boss came to my desk and he said the immortal words that can change your life if you you know in a career doing what I did we're going to send you on a work business trip we're going to pay for you to fly business class to America. Well, for me, this was everything, the, mm -hmm. sort of the be all and the end all. This is what I, I had wanted. I, I felt like in my head, the narrative I was telling myself is that people who get to travel for work are successful. That's so it. The reason you're, you've made it, you know, you're in business class. And, and that's what we're taught when we're young, that, you know, if you get to that point and you're, it's glamorous and you're flying around the world, you know, you are, you are living your best life by doing that. And um, that's what we're all told, really, isn't it? Yes. Mm. And so the reason that my business is called Success by Design Training is because 
for me, part of my life journey has been what is success. Mm-hmm. So for my clients, it's what is success and it's it's very different. And for, for many years, for me, success was your job title, your handbag and, and what other people thought about you. Mm-hmm. So to come back to the story, then he says to me, so you can you can go to America. So I take this flight and I'm so excited. I'm greeted at the airport by a friend. We used to work together in a hedge fund in London. She'd relocated to New York. Her parents lived in Boston. So she had flown into Boston to meet me. This was where I was going for for a week of meetings. Mm -hmm. So she picks me up from the airport, takes me to her parents' house where we were spending the weekend before I then went on to the hotel. And um, we had Boston clam chowder for dinner. And I woke up on the Saturday morning with a headache. Well, I had had a few drinks on the aeroplane. So, you know, it wasn't to be sort of unexpected. However, the headache was worse than any headache that I'd ever had before. Uh, One minute it was a headache. Next minute, black and white lights were flashing in front of my eyes. Next minute, I was asking my friend for a dustbin. Next minute, I was throwing up in said dustbin, at which point her mum walked past the bedroom door and looked in and said, are you okay? To which I said, well, uh, I'm not really, I, I feel like I'm having a migraine. And she said, this doesn't sound like a migraine. I'm calling an ambulance. Uh-huh. So I go from flying business class to vomiting in a dustbin in a parent's guest bedroom to being <laughs> taken out of a house in an ambulance at eight o'clock in the morning in a residential part of Boston. Wow. So now I'm kind of a, a, a weird rock bottom. However, I was in so much pain that Mm -hmm. that's all I could think about. 24 hours after basically arriving in America, I'm being woken up by the doctor in the hospital. They had been doing tests to find out what on earth this was. Mm -hmm. And um, the doctor wakes me up to tell me that I'd actually had a stroke. Oh, my goodness. And, And how old were you, Abigail? So at the age of 32 in America... I'd had a stroke. That must have been, I mean, I, I, when I was speaking to Lauren and Lauren was explaining how she thought she had dementia when she had the menopause. And I said, how scary that must have been. But for you, you were, you know, you're in your thirties. Nobody expects anybody your age to have a stroke. You know, you're in a foreign country. You don't have any of your family or people around you. You've just got your friends. You, that must have been the most frightening experience of your life um yes and ironically there were two things that went through my head at that time mm-hmm. the first thing was as you just said I'm, I'm on my own I'm mm. in, a, in a different country and um what am I going to do and then the second thing that went through my head was my boss is going to kill me <laughs> because I haven't died I've come here for work, I've got meetings, and sort of this happened in 2012, so Mm. nine years ago, uh, for depending on whenever you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) um, things in the working world have moved on. We are sort of Mm -hmm. coming out of um, a pandemic as we're recording this in 2021, Um, but back in 2012, illness was weakness, Mm -hmm. and um, if you weren't in work, you, you literally had to be dying to not be yeah. there. So it was a really, really big thing. However, the fact that this was top of my mind when the doctor's thoughts that top of my mind should have been, uh, we need to work out why this hasn't happened, ma'am, so that it doesn't happen again. Well, this is typical, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we, we're taught that we have to work hard. You know, we're, we're told that, that this work ethic is drummed into us at school and by parents. And, and we, you know, we work, we, we work hard. We become successful in what we do. And somewhere along the line, something has to give. And we don't often look after our own health because we're you know working long hours we're um burning the candle at both ends when we're younger and we're all guilty of that and but you know somewhere along the line the body and 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 the brain and the mind everything says you know you can't take that pressure anymore and the first thing you know it, it is ironic that the first thing you were you know, thinking about um was your job um because that that's how our brains are wired but actually you know it's really it's a really unhealthy way of thinking obviously because it led to you know you having a stroke um 
So, you know, I think this is why it's so important to actually look at like, you know, how much time we do devote to work and how much emphasis we put on, you know, um, you know, success being what salary you're earning um, or how much, you know, responsibility you have at work. Um, because one of the things I'm learning as a, as a, as a more senior person in life is that actually, you know, those things are, are okay and they're great things to you know to to aim for and strive for when you're young and you have energy and you you know it's great but when you get to my age sometimes success seems something different and you know and that's where managing time maybe downsizing what you do working part-time instead of full-time and you know working on your hobbies like I do um is something that you know a lot of older people now are realizing that you know time is precious and how you use it is really important and also you know giving it's not selfish to give time to ourselves that's something I think I've learned you know on the courses that I did with you um, is that you know it, you do you need to take time out of your busy life and your work life and your family life and you actually need to focus on on you whatever it is you know that helps you to relax and to switch off um, because it's so important for our mental health isn't it Abigail mm. so after having this you know this stroke um, obviously you ended up back in in, in England um, so what you know uh, what was the, what was the what, what happened after that to make you you know go just think about starting your own business and and focusing on time management what was what, what was it that you know just made you stop and think that you needed to change your life after the stroke and how did how did you do that yeah, well, you know, I'd love to say that there was like a, a super glamorous way that it happened. But the reality is that I came back mm -hmm. and nothing made sense to me anymore. So anyone who is listening to your podcast and has experienced a trauma will be able to identify with this, that suddenly the glasses have come off and you see the world in a totally different way. And for me, I recognized that how I was spending my time had created the life that I had mm -hmm. and that I wasn't happy with that life. However, when you only know what you know, you create the reality that you experience. Mm -hmm. So it was Einstein who said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, trying to get a different result. And this is what so many of us do until we recognize that we need to try something different. Mm -hmm. So I came back from, from America and I hit an even lower low because suddenly I felt like an imposter because I looked well um, so that I, I must be well. I started to imagine in my head that I had made this up. I didn't have any physical disabilities, um, so I couldn't go to meetings for people. Uh, I didn't want to meet anybody because they would look at me and be like, yeah but you look you look fine what's wrong with you why why can't you go back to work why don't you feel well and then one of the things that you will sort of understand that happens with brain injury is that depression very quickly follows it and also um, fatigue um, and anxiety so although I walked away with no physical disabilities I walked away with the the sort of mental health and PTSD which is sort of similar to what people have gone through over the last 18 months with the whole pandemic of yeah. one minute you had control of your life and next minute you didn't and it, it it's like a version of trauma and the more aware we become of what's happening the more we can sort of start to see oh okay so I come back and um, I'm sort of rehabilitated back to the workplace if you like over a period of months but nothing just made sense to me anymore. And what they were talking about, I was just like, but hang on people, we're all gonna die. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. And they were just like, okay, well, yeah, th this conversation isn't helpful. And I'm like, but you, you just, you don't. So it, it was like, we suddenly were speaking two different languages and it just, it just didn't make sense to me anymore. So the opportunity came up to go, you know one path and they went another path and mm -hmm. I just decided 
that I was going to start my own business, although I had no idea what I was going to do. It was something that I had always had in the back of my mind. Um, we'll talk about sort of my influences and it will all start to make sense mm -hmm. and the path that I have, I have taken. But suddenly realizing that time creates the reality that we experience and what we do with that time creates the reality that we experience. And I'd had no respect for time whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I, like everybody around me, used to say, I'm so busy, mm -hmm. I don't have enough time, or I'm just going to waste this time today because I don't want to do this or that or the other. We were just so, I, I say it now, like we were so disrespectful of the most valuable commodity that we all have. And you were talking about how, mm -hmm. um, in some ways, age makes you more aware of it. It and does. Yes. It, it may not necessarily be an age thing because some of your mm -hmm. audience might be like, mm -hmm. I feel like that too. So mm -hmm. what I sort of say to people is it's to do with when you get your wake up, whatever that is. And the wake up can be a redundancy. It can be mm. a pandemic. It can be illness of your own. It can be illness of somebody else's. It can be parental loss. It can be like a relative loss, a friend loss. Um, it could just be something in the news that triggers you. When you get your awakening, yes, that's when you suddenly see that time is a commodity. Yes, It's an asset. Mm. And the reason I say it's the most valuable one is because we can earn money and we can earn more and more and more money, but we will never be rich enough to buy back the past. No. And it's, it's this such, was, such, such wise words because it is time is so valuable and you can't buy it back, you know. Um, and I think I think, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, 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 you do get this awakening and it, it, it's got nothing to do with age. It just happens when it's meant to happen. Uh, but I think for me, it just it happened when I was in my 50s. A lot of things in my life sort of came full circle and I began to see where I'd gone wrong with things and how I could have done things better. And then, you know, as you said, in the pandemic, people were going through that. And that's when I sort of had my little midlife, decided I wanted to have a you know midlife reset and that's where you came in and, and really helped me with that um one of the courses that abigail runs through success by design training was a, a is a reset group where basically you know if you've got something you want to work on be it um it could be anything isn't it abigail people come yeah so we call courses. it the 25 day reset so we um we teach people how to reset their life in 25 days by focusing on two goals and during the pandemic we ran it as a group but we've recognized that you know life has got busy and people don't necessarily have time for that so it's an on-demand training that you can access straight away and there is like one-to-one -one support with me but it's uh -huh. sort of set up to, to teach you how to create a plan that you can action over 25 days and achieve two and, and it's great and, and yeah and it really 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 does work it helped me I, I did two of them when I had like certain things that I actually wanted to achieve and I did it and um you know it it, it was it, it was a it was a small investment of my time really to learn something amazing and the feeling of achievement that I got when I actually reached my goals and and I, the things I took away, um, I was saying the same thing to Lauren in the last episode, the things that I took away from your training are now things that I use every single day. And, you know, they have become my habits. And it's, it's you know, it's it's brilliant that, that, that I've been able to sort of toss out the, the bad habits and the, the bad things I was doing with time and use time so much more effectively. And that is as a direct result of, of doing your courses. So, you know, if anyone's proof of the pudding that this actually works and that Abigail's training methods are, you know, any, if I can do them, anybody can do them. Um, and then it's also fun. That's, you know, that's the thing. It's, it, it's work. You have to do the work. But I think the way that you do your training, it's, you know, it's really positive. It's, it, it's fun. I came away learning something, you know, every, every week um, about myself or, you know, I'd have these little moments, eureka moments where suddenly you'd say something um, and it would really, really you know all of a sudden I, I, I completely get it one of the things I did actually you know I think one of the things she said which just really stopped me in my tracks and made me think about time 
was when you said you know, um you said that you know, everybody has the same amount of time in a day and thought, okay and then you said you know multi-billionaire businessmen have the same amount of time as you so what makes them more productive and you know be able what makes that how do they use time they've got the same amount as you but and I thought yeah <laughs> that really got me thinking and then when you think about I think you were talking about how you sort of proportion up time in a day and you know we all have we all have the same 24 hours and we you know some of us sleep for eight hours some of us work for I only work for six hours but that's enough for me um some people work long hours um but yeah how we apportion up that time and how we use it during the day um and, and that and it was really interesting to me and, and then you hit me with the 888 formula um saying that you know if you can divide your your day into sort of three equal parts of eight so eight hours sleep eight hours in work and then you still have eight hours to do with what you like and that was the bit that I thought wow eight hours as long as you know I have that time free what am I doing with it um and and hence you know this is why I've been working on the blog because that's something I really enjoy and doing the podcast is something that I wanted to develop so I thought to myself I need to be able to use those extra eight hours which I you know, they, I didn't realize I had that much and how much I was wasting of it so you know using your techniques I was able to I do my I, I love it now because I get up really early in the morning I start my work day at six o'clock in the morning I'm finished by 12 o'clock um, and I've got the rest of the afternoon which I then apportion up to doing my answering my emails um, and things that need focus and attention I normally do when I get back home from work because I'm alert and I'm in a sort of you know work mode and then I know I'm going to feel sleepier later on so you know I might choose reading a book time to do before bedtime or um, so I've learned how to use my time you know more effectively and especially at work um, in, in, as a baker and I just, you know, everything. I didn't realise how time, how important time was in work until you're given a small a bit, you know, responsibility for a small part of a shop and your manager says we need to increase productivity and, you know, not have so much waste. So I immediately worked out, well, I have five hours. Everything takes time that goes into the oven. So if I can work out a routine where I'm using the maximum amount of time and baking my productivity will go up and I thought I could have never thought you know in that way before I did your course um but you know being able to have uh, uh, be in control of time when I'm in work is really really important um and also changing my routines um doing you know becoming a going from a night owl to being a, a you know, early morning person was really difficult but when you realize that you have to do it and now I have this little routine in the morning that I do and I stick to it and you know and it works for me and I'm able to get up and go to work and function um and 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 you know I, I realized very quickly if I didn't get my sleep as well the night before and I know that's something that um you talk about a lot in your shows and in your uh training is you know sleep is really important because if it, that's when the brain's recovering and when the body's recovering and you need that to be able to get up the next day and you know and and be be energetic and and, and be able to you know think properly I know if I don't get enough sleep I feel dreadful so I've learned you know go to bed at nine o'clock and um, have a routine in the evening so that you can sleep and you know uh, that that enables me to get up nice and early in the morning and get all my work done while everybody else is still in bed so you know you taught me that Abigail and it's it's it is such a such a been such a valuable thing in my life and it's you know it's really helped me in the last year so I um I can't thank you enough but yeah please do tell us a little bit more about how you sort of devise the 888 formula um and some of the things that you're doing in terms of um the shows that you do on Facebook um as well because I'm you know that's how I've sort of um kept in contact with you and learned a lot from just watching all the free shows so tell us a little bit more about how that all came about 
Yeah, so, um, well, as you said at the start, I wrote a book about time management. Mm -hmm. So my first book was called Time Management for Entrepreneurs, as I'd identified being new to this sort of business world that entrepreneurs were very busy. You've got a lot to do when you run a business. Um, and so managing your time is, is super important because otherwise your business isn't going to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and then during the pandemic, I sort of, uh, part of my part of my job, if you like, is that I speak at events um, and had started to get sort of booked to speak around the world, um, which was really exciting. And then the pandemic came. And as with everybody else, life was grounded. So I decided during 2020 to start an online show and live stream it to LinkedIn, to Facebook and to YouTube. So in 2020, we did 100 episodes of the Productive Wellbeing Show. Mm -hmm quite a number of those episodes are um, available on our YouTube channel. And um, if you scroll back on LinkedIn, you should be able to find them there and mm. Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, this year, obviously, I during the pandemic, people were sort of asking about my book, but some of them were professionals. So we revised and updated it to include uh, content for professionals. And also the world had moved on since I had written the first book. So now it's got revised and updated content in there. It's 88 pages long. It's got eight pages about the 888 formula. It's got case studies from people around the world who are entrepreneurs and professionals. So in that book, we talk about um, so it's like an introduction to sleep. So we talk about like why sleep is important and where to go if you want to, to know more. Uh, we talk about time management, about why, as you were saying, why productivity is important. Mm -hmm. And then the training that we have to help you to learn more. And then we also talk about that middle pillar, your life, and why, if you're not managing your time, you have no life and mm -hmm. how to, to make the changes. Um, and then we also talk about something called the eight minute recharge, which is where you can reset your energy in eight minutes a day. So this is for people who are super, super busy and they sort of feel like their well-being. They just don't have time for it. So you can meditate for eight minutes. Mm -hmm. You can um, take a walk for eight minutes. You can read a book for eight minutes. And it's all just simple activities to get you started to move the needle. Where, where, to does, the, the where does the love affair with the number eight come from, Abigail? Is it, some, is it a lucky number for you? It obviously has been, but is there some sort of significance behind the, you know, the eight in your life yeah so I mean you asked me about the 888 formula mm -hmm. so the 888 formula is something that's been around for a couple of hundred years mm -hmm. um, organizations around the world have been working out that their um, their employees their workforce could work eight hours could live eight hours could rest eight hours and I had done a lot of research to write my book and I had sort of spoken to many people and then recognized that prior to my wake up call, I was probably working 16 hours and just mm -hmm. sleeping as much as, as I needed or as much as just was available. And I maybe had two hours a day for my life. Um, and that was sort of the reality. That was my formula at that time. So as I was doing more and more research into it and looking into that, 888 is 24 divided by three. Mm -hmm. I then suddenly started to turn it on its side and recognize that it's infinity. And that obviously our life is, a, is the consequence of how we do one thing is how we do everything. And it all feeds backwards and forwards. Um, I, hadn't, many, many... I hadn't tweaked with the infinity thing, but now you say that it's like, that's, that's really clever. I like that. I'd, ne I'd never tweaked that, but yeah. Yeah, just many, many things. Mm. And um, mm. as a marketer, I understand that the simplicity of communicating a message is about repetition. So if we've got 888 and we've got eight minutes and we've mm -hmm. got 88 pages and we've got, you know, eight pages about a specific thing, then it all it all starts to reinforce a message. And as mm. you said, my intention is for things to always be simple because mm simplicity can change your life it's when you don't really understand it that then you just put it down and you're like yeah no it's too complicated I can't mm -hmm. do it so my work is so accessible that if I can do it you can do it mm -hmm. because I would describe myself as somebody who's quite bright like I get things very quickly but I'm not academic so mm -hmm. when I was at university you know I got a 2-1 but I had to work hard mm -hmm. to get that and it was hard work and I recognized that hard work 
isn't really what I wanted my life to be about. And that there were certain words that we use in life, like it's hard um, and it's right or wrong, it's good or bad. Everything is information. Everything is feedback. Everything that happens to you happens for you to help mm -hmm. you to evolve how you do things. And, you know, it so happens to be that we get smarter and wiser as we get older, which is only because we've done it before. Exactly. So if it's the first time we've done it and we're older, Mm -hmm. we're not going to be smarter and wiser at it if it's the first time we've done it and we're younger i, I think so it's, it's yeah it, it's 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 really important but yeah but we do learn you know either the older we get we get hindsight and it's great when you, you don't have that when you're young um but i also i'm a great believer in that we learn from our mistakes and that you know i nowadays if i make a mistake at work which i did yesterday and i said to my boss well you know i said it, it won't happen again because i will learn from that and you know it, it's actually it was something that helps it it, it helped me yesterday so yeah I do believe that you know we do learn from our mistakes um a lot of the time um but also yeah Abigail the the, the show that you did um the the productive well-being show I mean I, I think I actually watched the first one and then sort of watched a few in the middle and watched the end and it was amazing how that show sort of just grew and progressed from um something that you just literally started you know at the beginning of the, the pandemic um, and by the end of it, it there were that you know you'd had some fantastic guests on that's how I met Lauren um, through your show but I actually I, I saw your new one you've got a new one called it's your time um, and I thought as soon as I saw that uh, you had a new show out I did actually watch the first episode where you got interviewed which was um, that was really interesting so I don't want to kind of repeat a lot of the stuff that was said in that show because hopefully people will go and listen to it but it, it it's it, it was a really good show um and and i just i love the whole concept um and i'm looking forward to um you do more watching some more episodes uh, shortly of your of your show um i want to move on thank you to, to have a chat about it, unless there's anything else you, you'd like to i'm sure we're going to sort of talk about time um throughout the rest of the show but is there anything you wanted to sort of say to sort of wrap up this little segment before we yeah. uncover and discover who your three women are so i guess just to say that it's your time this new show is about featuring people's pivotal moments so mm -hmm. in order for the show to continue on it was only fair that i started by sharing my pivotal moment story of why I do what I do. So every week we'll be having guests on to share their transformation, their awakening, their rock bottom, in order to build a body of proof for mm -hmm. anybody who watches it, who tunes in, who, who consumes it as the podcast, um, as the live stream, as the audio on replay or live, that now or in the future, if it's possible for them, it's possible for me. And so this feeds into your next section about why we are inspired by others. Um, and for me, this show, It's Your Time, is, is it's like a call to arms for people mm. that the clock is ticking for everybody. Yes. It's your time. Mm. And if you have a hope or a dream or an aspiration, it's your time. Mm -hmm. So these are the two ways that you can say it. So I'm, yeah, I'm super excited for that show and, and for it's, the potentiality. It's, it's brilliant. Of I, I love the concept and um, um, I, I would love to, I would love to come and be on your show and talk about like the things that have happened to me over the last year, but we, we shall chat about that. Um, but you're right. You know, you just have to, you have to have that awakening and you have to, you have to actually want to change things in your life. It, it, you won't have the awakening if you don't want to change something. I think that's something that I realized all these things that I knew I needed to change. I'd been sort of kidding myself about. And I think once you actually get to that point in your life where you think this is actually bad, for me and you know you could get a wake-up call through a health thing like you did or you know suddenly you just realize you know you're not happy and you have to work out what you need to do to fix it um but yeah you, you know and you have to want to change but once you make that decision to change um and then you you know sometimes as i said we said with Lauren chatting the other day you have to if, if you need somebody to coach you through that process that is you know the perfect time to have a look at training courses and personal um, development courses because I just found yeah I just needed that little bit of extra 
somebody to hold my hand just to give me the tools and and open my eyes and make me think differently and I think that's that's what I took away from most of the personal development training that I did is that it makes you think in a different way it makes you approach problems and see problems or see solutions to problems rather than seeing the problems and how you know for me it was it opened my eyes to a different way of thinking uh, and it changed and it's about changing your mindset and you know what I think a lot of people don't really realize that you know they can be very negative about things sometimes and once you start to actually consciously be positive about everything and see everything bad as something good you know in the reverse um and and you you know it does take a bit of practice to actually do that but once you get a handle on that um and it you know and you can change your mindset and see things differently than that and you have to not expect an overnight so it kind of you know change I think that's the, the, the biggest thing that I came away from with your training courses was that progress it's it's small steps all the way and you know we don't see sometimes how much we've changed but um you know if you if you took a picture at the beginning and, and at the end you would see you know how much progress you've made if you kind of looked at that every day um so that you know the, the two things that I, I really really took away is you know you have to change your mindset be more positive um if you want to change something in your life and um and you need to um yeah change your mindset and 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 I've forgotten the other one now <laughs> what was yeah, the other one well, um I said change your mindset and you uh oh, that I've completely forgotten that bit so I'll have to edit that bit out I think so <laughs> just to speak into that bit for a second yeah. like nobody has to do anything no no we don't and have that's, to do it, that's but... the exciting part about <laughs> it but once you spot or you have a feeling yes then it's it's either and you have that choice you either ignore it keep mm -hmm. ignoring it mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you go on the journey that you've mm -hmm. been on that I've been on mm -hmm. and you just explore yes. and you do what is known as reframing that's mm -hmm. what you're talking about where you then right. say well this is the story I was telling about it. This is what it used to look like. This is what it used to mean to me. This is what it looks like now. And mm -hmm. this is where sort of some of the, the inspirations that I have have been so, so helpful because mm -hmm. that's something that I have learned from them. Well, let, let's let's have a let, let's have a chat about uh, your three ladies. Um, I was going to try and be a bit a little bit clever and I've got um, uh, I, I won't do that actually I was going to put some a, a picture up behind but um, it won't make any difference for those people listening on the podcast because they won't be able to see um, but first of all let's uh, I'm gonna Abigail picked three women and as I said at the beginning of the show they're they're all fairly contemporary um, and her first when I read her first choice I thought oh wonderful because this person actually really inspired me when I was younger and uh, so Abigail tell us about um, your first person who is who was an athlete yeah so um, I don't know what it was about it because I wouldn't really describe myself as truly athletic but I think um, it was probably the Barcelona Olympics and um, there was just something about the energy of how the BBC at the time were reporting it. And mm -hmm. um, there was an amazing song. And then there was just this woman who was so incredible. And she went on to win a gold medal at those Olympics. And her name is Sally Gunnell. Mm -hmm. And I was just so inspired. And then it's funny how this is what happens in life you see somebody do something and then you go back to find out more about their backstory of what it mm -hmm. took to get there. And that for me is as aspirational or inspirational as the actual outcome. So her winning the gold medal is like mm -hmm. the icing on top of the cherry on top of the cake. The fact that she has overcome what she's overcome and when she first started training, she was training for one discipline and then she retrained for another discipline and retrained for another discipline until in the end, the, the discipline that she won the gold medal in wasn't what she'd started training in when she was younger. So, yes, yeah, she, did, she, she, did she start out as a as a um, as a sort of uh, sprinter and then did she, she did, and she did the hurdles, obviously, I know. But was there anything else that she was she doing? started as a heptathlete? Ah, right. Okay. And so heptathletes have to do multiple disciplines. 
disciplines. Yep. Um, and with hep heptathlons, you would tend to be better at one thing than mm -hmm. another. So mm -hmm. you're almost like, um, you know, multi attention diversified if yeah. that even is a word um, and what <laughs> she was now. starting to find was that she was good at some things and right. not so good at other things and yeah. um she had this amazing coach and he just really coached her never told her what to do but mm -hmm. really coached her to to try the things to do the different ways and so she then moved from sort of doing it, the hurdles with 100 meters to then doing the hurdles with 200 meters, then to sort of doing the, the hurdles with 400 meters. Mm -hmm. um, she also competed in the four by 100 um, relays as well, because like if you did one sort of track mm -hmm. event, then you were sort of brought together to do um, the group. But when she talks about what it took, how she went from school, and then she had to find a job because mm -hmm. athletes in those days weren't paid in the way that right. they're paid now. Um, mm -hmm. And there wasn't sort of like um, lottery sponsorships or anything like this. So mm -hmm. at one point she was working in a pub and training. Then at another point she was working in an office. And then in another point she was working in another office and sort of doing almost um, remote work, which in mm -hmm. those days, you know, 10, 15, I, 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 remember, I remember watching her years ago because my, my dad was a huge sort of Olympics and athletics fan. And I got to watch two Olympics with him in the 70s um, before he passed away. But it, it was something he really kind of got me into it. Um, and so sort of over the years, I've, although I don't watch a lot of sport, I've always, when the Olympics have been on, and it's, or especially like the World Athletics Championships, as a sort of little nod to my dad, I actually sort of, you know, would take the time out and and really get into it. And I, I, I remember Sally Gunnell, um, and I think for me, I was, you know, she, she was from Essex. So being as, as I was from Essex, she was a local girl. And, you know, when, you, when you've got your, a girl who comes from, you know, your own local area and she's, you know, she's in the Olympics, you, you're, you're, you know, I, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And I think as well, I'm, I'm not sure on facts and figures, and I'm sure like listeners who are sports fans and um, in, into all the facts and figures might come and correct me. But I think when she actually, won that gold medal we hadn't really had a female athlete you know of, of her stature in that particular um you know uh, race or in that particular um sport uh, for a very long time and it, I think it's like that you know with we love we love a winner in Britain but we also love to sort of come second and third and say that's okay and you know as less British athletics I, I I know from you know in fact we'd had we've, we've had our we had some real, real glory days and we've had some amazing champions but every now and, and then you know we'd go through this little drought where there wouldn't be anybody in a particular you know sport or for, for some time and then all of a sudden we'd produce this amazing champion and that's kind of what it was like for me with Sally Gunnell um but then I watched a lot of programs with her you know and there was there was I remember the footage of her you know on the school sports day as a small child and they played that quite a lot and it was really inspiring to see you know that she had come through the school system and she'd become the Essex school champion um and she'd worked her way through and you know and here she was uh, and I actually knew somebody who you know this is a weird sort of six degrees of separation but I went out with somebody whose sister was married to somebody whose daughter was bridesmaid at Sally Gunnell's wedding so there was all this connections with her over the years but I yeah I, I remember sort of watching her and the other person I think that inspired me during that time as well in, uh, was Fatima Whitbread um, and funny enough she she actually comes and shops in my shop and I've actually met her a couple of times now and it's amazing you know she's she, I think it was her and, and, and Tessa Sanderson there were this sort of there, there were this there were quite a few female athletes in different um sports uh, and athletics that all of a sudden sort of came through at that particular time sort of in the in the 80s um 
and we hadn't had, you know, uh, all of a sudden we had like two javelin champions, didn't we? With Fatima Whitbread and Tessa Sanderson and, and then we had Sally Garner. And it, it seems like when we have one champion, then it seems to inspire more young people to get into the sport. And therefore, sort of, you know, maybe 20 years later, we, you know, we have another champion or, um, and it seems to work that way. But Sally Garner was, you know, such a, an amazing champion for, for Essex. She, she sort of smashed the Essex girl stereotype and put it out there didn't she that um you know Essex girls were uh, champions and, and and she was amazing and then I think she went on to have quite a successful career as a commentator and um for the BBC as well didn't she and I used to love her listening to her commentating on athletics because you know she was really knowledgeable and really down to earth as a as a, as a personality but I, I don't know you know I don't know whether she went through any adversity in life so maybe you could tell me more about that because I I don't know much about her sort of background and, and life before we move on to your other two ladies yeah no so I think you've covered quite a lot of it um but just to say that she she put in the work so mm. she for year after year did the training and it like I said it wasn't paid it wasn't sponsored mm. so yes. you had to work to fund it and you just didn't know so mm -hmm. literally she went into that Olympics as you said as somebody who was just sort of breaking UK records but mm. to break a UK record well they hadn't really had that many people but mm. the, the times compared to, to others uh, around the world so she was almost sort of the underdog going into it so so when she won um it, it put a few noses out of joy mm. because it was a bit like what but when she talks about it in her autobiography, one of the books that I've read about her, which is just fascinating, she sort of said that she had timed her race. So she knew how many strides between every hurdle. And she knew that off of the last hurdle, she just got her head down and went for the line. Mm -hmm. So when she crossed the line and she went into just this tunnel of see. like, she didn't know if mm. she'd actually won or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said she, she, because she didn't act, it's like nine tenths of a second kind yes. of thing you don't look left because if you look left you've you lost lose you don't look right because you lose that time you lose the race <laughs> so it was only when she saw the flags waving in yes. front of her in the stadium and they were British she was like I've won mm. I've won I've yeah. won and then I, she looked I, I around and people were coming that. to her I remember her, I remember so. watching that and you, you you described it absolutely right she did she just you know she was just completely focused and if she had a glance left or right she won it by such a a margin but it uh, but it was that head down that focus and don't let anybody else around you anything else around you distract you from getting across that line um um yeah brilliant I, she, she was so, I'm so glad that you you picked Sally Gunnell um for your for your first lady um and your second your second lady I think we spoke about um the fact that you uh first started out one of your first jobs when you were a teenager was um working in the body shop I believe yeah so um at school maybe some of your audience had to do this as well it yep. was like a work experience and we had to choose what we wanted to do for the work experience and I think the options were um to go work in an office to go and work in the body shop yeah. and maybe to go and work in the library or something like that and I just thought the body shop Anita Roddick what she did for that business was just incredible I mean she was probably the first person to kind of really promote this reusable, recyclable, mm. um, thinking about the planet, mm. thinking about testing on animals, thinking about all of the different things that weren't really the narrative at that time. They were. So I went, that's right. I went I, into I, do, that I remember, shop. I remember the shop. I remember the body shop. It was quite revolutionary when uh, she created it in 1974, I think. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I remember sort of uh, when I was a little bit older it was it was a really sort of trendy shop because it did have that everything was recycled the plastic bottles were recycled uh, the ingredients they used they didn't test on animals they were very sort of um, ethical and at that time with you know we're talking about sort of 
at the time of Thatcherism, so things weren't, a lot of things weren't ethical and it was all about profit. And, you know, nowadays there are a lot more companies that everybody has their eco footprint, but back then in the 70s, uh, certainly when it was created and through the, throughout the 80s, when, you know, I, I remember everybody wanted the body shop's banana conditioner because it was the best conditioner in the entire world if you had frizzy hair. Um, and, yeah, and, 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 and the body shop was seen as a, as a you know, trendy cosmetic but yes you're absolutely right the whole you know she started the uh the, the eco business idea way way before you know many other people had, had, had um thought of that as you know to combine that with business so uh, an amazing woman yes tell me a little bit more about her because I, I know the shop but I don't really know that much about her as a person yeah so um for me full transparency I don't really know that much about her as a person I um I am inspired by the actions that people take I don't necessarily need to know too much about their backstory or history mm -hmm. for me it's what legacy they have left and so mm -hmm. you know sadly she's passed on and, yes, I, and I didn't actually realize that until I, I did some research so you know she genuinely you know is is part of history um but she did make history I mean she 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 was a, a from, from what I know about her you know she was she had the opportunity to start a business she started a business it became like a multi-global business very very quickly um but she was always she'd always been been involved in that sort of activism um, and campaigning for various things I think um, from from what I read so I you know it, it, I, I think for her the, the whole activism it, it's been part of her life anyway so she just managed to find that you know she could put that into her business and 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 create her business around something that was a product that was ethical um, yeah so I think I, one of the other things uh -huh as well that I find interesting is the uh -huh. fact that in order for her business to be where it is today, that it had to go through an ownership by um, another organization that were yeah. able to bring in structures and um, distribution. Mm. And if you actually, and this is where this is sort of the, the marketer in me likes to understand the stories mm -hmm. of organizations and how they get to where they got to. Mm -hmm. If you look at certain organizations that are out there, certain coffee shops that you drink in, um, certain drinks that you drink, mm -hmm. they have been owned by huge multinationals mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. to become where they are. And I think this is a really important point for people to understand is that in order to be global in order to have an impact on a on a bigger stage there are certain structures and certain ways that business is done um, and certain volumes and certain amounts of money in order mm -hmm. to get there so if you do your research on it there was a, a period of time where she was sort of out of public favor because mm -hmm. people didn't think the organization that had got involved to support it was right blah 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 yeah. um, and it's not for me to debate the rights or wrongs of it mm -hmm. it is just to say that in life certain um progress is achieved by partnering with um partners who have success in an area so you have to think the longer term of do you want it to continue do you want it to be sustainable mm -hmm. um, and had she not the, the business was sort of on the verge of going bankrupt and there are many businesses out there that if you do the research and you look into them mm -hmm. it was only through partnerships that weren't necessarily partnerships that were mm -hmm. um you know wholly accepted by the outside world that they have been able to continue but it's almost like in order to to make a, a cake you have to break some eggs so yeah. I, I find the fact that she started it in a time when it wasn't um acceptable mm -hmm. that it was able to continue through compromise and that even after her the legacy of it is still very very inspiring that's what makes her for me um one of my sort of as you said contemporary inspirations mm -hmm. uh, and proof of what's possible if you don't give up and if you mm -hmm. don't accept um you know the realities of life and, and possible quote-unquote failure um, and you just keep pushing and you keep going 
no fantastic i mean anita roddick she you know she she was a phenomenal businesswoman she created this business i was just looking at some facts and figures and um you know i think there were 70 700 branches um in 2004 and it, and it kept building um basically i think it was voted also the body shop was voted one of the most trusted brands so the whole idea and you know this was something that was very new in the 70s it was 76 i think when she started the first shop but basically the idea of you know having this brands that you trust wasn't really kind of, now it's in like it's a huge thing um but back then you know so she was really really innovative as a as a businesswoman and and she was you know a woman like in a man's world so i think absolutely she definitely deserves to be up there in the hidden her stories inspiring women um so that was anita roddick and your third woman now probably i don't think well i don't think many people will will have she's not a very well-known name but i know who she is and that is a lady called carrie green um and she runs the female entrepreneurs association is that correct abby yeah so um, when I first started my business, there weren't that many inspiring sort of women mm -hmm. at the level that I was starting at. There mm -hmm. were lots of men. You know, there was Richard Branson's autobiography. People asked me who, mm -hmm. who was there at that time um, for me. And that was it, sort of Richard Branson. But then I came across the work of Carrie Green and I just... I loved her TEDx talk where she was sort of speaking about like why she started, what she did. Mm -hmm. um, and then as she was building her business, I was also building my business and she was my proof of what's possible. Right. Um, she has gone on to become like a mega global success. She has, um, and she is still my proof of what's possible. And um, she wrote a book uh, that was published by Hay House because she put on her vision board that she wanted to have her book published by Hay House. She has an audience of hundreds of thousands around the world on multiple different mm. social media platforms. Um, and she makes multiple thousands, if not millions every month from her female entrepreneur mm. association. She has a podcast um, and she's a mother of two. And I just find her very interesting. I've met her a few times. Um, mm. I will hopefully be getting her onto my show in 2022 um and just the way she is so humble and grounded mm. and shares that she came from um a legal background which was the degree mm. that she did and then she was running a business that she didn't hugely enjoy mm. but it was making money then she had her sort of like rock bottom moment she didn't know what she wanted to do she went to australia um, she thought she'd find herself as we all do we we travel around the world to find ourselves and we realize that we're taking the person with us and that you actually <laughs> in the alchemist story yep. about Paolo Coelho you find yourself at home mm -hmm. so she has gone on the journey and documented the journey of just building her business through trial and through error and through consistency and that's what I admire and that's what I'm inspired by because there is mm -hmm. no other way and this is the sort of the reality that I came to when I went from going being sort of an entrepreneur an employee Mm -hmm. and knowing the way that that worked to get entering this world of entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and the rules are there are no rules yes and so what do you do how do you do it you don't mm -hmm. know and mm -hmm. so for me she's just an inspiration of somebody who just tries it goes out there and just is always providing the proof so mm -hmm. my kind of way of doing it is sort of influenced or similar if you like to her way of doing it just that it's about providing that body of evidence for people and saying look I've done it I don't always feel like it every day uh, when it comes to managing your time we all get the same amount of time and some days you're just not going to feel like it but recognize that you are reaping what you sow and the mm -hmm. last thing to come on a tree is the fruit mm -hmm. so I think that that's an important thing for your audience to take away it's like mm -hmm. whatever wherever they are at whatever stage in their life right now like Dory the fish says in that movie just keep swimming 
<laughs> that's it don't give up I think I think it's really um been, it's been really lovely because there's there, there is this theme that has run through I've listened to sort of Nick uh, I did an interview with a lady called Nikki Balance who is also a coach she's a writing coach I met her via Lauren who's a menopause coach and I met Lauren via you and in all the interviews uh if I've taken anything away from from what all three of you have said the, the, these wonderful inspiring women that you are is that that, you know to be a success or to to get something done you have to not give up and even if you come across challenges and hurdles it's that perseverance um Nikki said that about writing a book it's like just don't give up you know you will get where you want to be if you give up you'll never get there so it's just you know you have to just keep on trying and and, and if it's not working think you know try a different ways so it's you know it's just that constant thinking outside of the box and being persistent and involved it, it, evolving things um but uh, to wrap things up today abigail thank you so much for for picking um three really really inspirational women um i i i look at um i i, I think i've joined carrie green's um facebook group and uh, it, it's like everything else you know i i actually now realize that there are so many coaches like yourself like lauren like carrie green putting so much stuff out on social media for people to listen to there you know if you have if you want to change something or there's something you need to work on, then I think the best advice I can give is, is sort of shop around, go and watch some, of, you know, watch your show, watch other people's show. You will find the coach that speaks to you and you know for the thing that you want to change in your life. And when you find that person and like you say, the, the you know, what you're doing on your it's your time show is having people on who have done it so it's you know it's the proof and I think that's that's what I was saying to Lauren a lot of time people sort of think oh shall I you know shall I undertake a little bit of personal development shall I do this course and they're not sure how it's going to impact on them but I've always said yeah if you don't take a risk if you don't try something you will never know and maybe you know it's not for you maybe you're not maybe you're not actually identifying the right problem if it doesn't work but when it does work for you you know it does just yeah it is people say the word life-changing but it really does change people's lives um and uh, and it's that's an amazing thing that you do abby you 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 give people the tools to be able to change their life and um and yeah i can't thank you enough for giving me a, a new relationship with time i hope that some of our listeners today um will go and uh, have a look at your website because uh, they need to know where to go abby so where can they go to have a look at what you do and to sign up or to have a look at some of your courses let's 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 have the website address first yeah amazing well i'm sure you're going to put this all into the show notes but everything is available on successbydesigntraining.com mm -hmm. um i am also quite active on linkedin and instagram as avon's author but all the details will be in the show notes so check them out I will do. There will be there will be a little blog post uh, giving people some more details about Anita Roddick, Carrie Green, and Sally Gunnell if they want to uh, have a further read and some links. But we shall uh, uh, put, of course, all of Abigail's links on there and where you can find her on social media. So, um, Abigail, what would you like to start? What would you like to leave? I, leave our listeners with one one sentence that sums up um you know time and time management for them to take away today about how to use their time there's two things that i write in the books when i um when i'm at events signing them for people and the first one is it's your time and the second one is own your 24 very very good exactly you have to own your own time and learn how to use it wisely well i hope that uh, people will go and catch you on facebook for your new show what what time i think what time does it go out your show um and what days are on the live and for it's your time so it's every wednesday mm -hmm. at 3 p.m gmt it live streams on linkedin facebook and youtube 
fantastic and people can if they if they're at work or they're picking kids up from school they can always watch it on the replay and leave comments can't they um yeah. i will be watching and i should definitely be watching this week abigail and good luck with the new show uh and your podcast um and for everybody listening please do go and uh, check out abigail's links don't forget to like share and hopefully comment um we're trying to fix the comments on the blog at the moment uh, but um once we do that we'll let you know but uh, do share our posts on social media and come back and join us for another show um i'm not going to tell you who our guest is going to be for the next one because um i'm still deciding whether it's going to be an inspiring woman or whether we're going to have uh, an in-depth look at someone in history but um i'm sure if you follow us on social media you will find out who our next guest is going to be in a week or so's time but for now thank you for listening uh thank you to abigail for being such a marvelous guest and for talking to us and well, A, telling us her very inspirational story and B, for uh, just explaining how we can have a better relationship with time. And there's so much. We haven't got enough time today to talk about all of the things that Abigail can do for you. So that if you have been, if your your interest has been whetted today and you would like to make the most of your time, then go to her website, come and follow her on social media and um, get involved and, and learn more. Thank you for listening. And we will be with you back with you for another Hidden Her Stories show very shortly. <laughs>